Welcome back once again, and Happy New Year from the Grief Observed podcast. I'm your host, Brad Morell. Um, I took a little bit of a break for the uh, holidays, and I'm back with our first session. Um, if you want to be on the podcast, please contact me at griefobservedpodcast at gmail.com. Tell me a little bit about you, the person that you've lost in your grief journey, and we'll try to bring you on the podcast as soon as possible. Uh, my next guest is here today to speak about the loss of her father. Um, I'd like to welcome Christy to the podcast. So Christy, thanks for joining me today. No problem. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. I, I know the loss of your father is fairly recent. You you lost him in November, correct? Yes, November 26th. Okay. All right. So it's relatively new. And um, you know, we, we spoke a little bit before the show started uh, your mom is is still living, and and they had a fairly long marriage, correct? Yes, they were married for forty seven years, but together quite a bit before that. They've been together since they were fifteen. So. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah. Okay, that's a long time. I'm I'm forty eight. Thinking back to fifteen, it seems like a lifetime ago for it me. Does. But, yeah. Um, but being with the same person that long that's that's an amazing an amazing journey. It is. Um, so why don't you start, you're welcome to tell me a little bit about you, um, or, you know, if you want to just dive right into telling me more about your, your dad and, and the man that he was while he was here. Okay. A little about me. I have, um, between my husband and I, we have four boys, um, they range in age from 25 down to 10. So we are busy, um, I live in Indiana, I'm 40, and I work in advertising and marketing. Um, as far as my dad, he was pretty much the stereotypical, most amazing dad. So um, I've caught myself being mad at him that I don't have any, like, you know, bad memories. <laughs> um, <laughs> he worked in the factory for years and years and retired when I was fairly young. I was still in high school when he retired, so... He was kind of the, you know, at home dad, you know, did the packed our lunches kind of guy. Um, he, my sister has two little boys as well. He was a great grandpa to all of his grandsons. Um, he was diagnosed with lymphoma about eight years ago. And at the time, the doctor's like, that's not going to kill you. Um, you know, and he went through chemo, which was pretty rough then, but came out the other side and was really good up until about a year ago. Um, I mean, he knew it was back. He had lymph nodes swelling, that sort of stuff. And they treated him for that again with some targeted therapy. Uh, and he's had other issues as well. During all that time um, this past year, he um, ended up having, it's called a TAVR procedure on his heart. And then he had a um, pacemaker put in as well. So he's, not been the healthiest of people to begin with. So I think sometimes this treatment is harder. Um, he um, definitely wasn't ready to die, if that mm. makes sense. He, he was willing to put up a fight. Um, and then after his last scan, basically they were like, it's not, I mean, the lymphoma is there, it's being treated well, but there's another cancer, which is common in lymphoma patients, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. So it had spread. It was in his liver and lungs and mets to the brain. Um, we think it started in his colon. 
So at that point, it was kind of a, you know, and I, I feel horrifically guilty. I convinced him to try chemo. Um, they said it could extend his life, you know, up to six months versus the one month they gave him without it. Um, so about five days after he did the chemo treatment, he died. So mm -hmm. essentially, even on his death certificate, chemo is listed as one of the causes. So I feel awful about that. My mom didn't want him to do it. Um, he wanted my opinion. I, you know, I wanted more time with him. So as selfish as that sounds. Um, I don't think that's selfish. And I, I think it's, it's part of who we are as humans. Like we, um, a lot of times we see death as a finality, at least to the type of relationship that it is. And, you know, you only have one father. So right. I, I don't think it's a guilty or a, a, a move that should make you feel guilt. Um, I, I understand you feeling like, okay, maybe this was a selfish move, but I don't think so. I, I think it just, expresses the love that you had for your father. Right. I like to think of it that way. I, I kind of run on guilt most of the time <laughs> anyway, outside of this. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's one thing. If I could do over, I would definitely do a do over. Hmm. You know, you had spoken about, uh, you had, you have no bad memories of your dad. Mm -hmm. And, uh, do you think that would change how you feel about the loss of your dad? If you did have bad memories about him? Um, yeah, I think a little bit. I, he was so good to everybody. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like if I could be like, well, you know, I won't miss this or I won't miss that. You know, like maybe that would make it easier. As yeah. as that sounds. Um, but I don't have that. Like there's nothing. Oh, well, I won't miss him you know, coming over and yelling at me, you know, like there's none of that. So, um, yeah, I think I've lost people in the past that while I still grieve them, there's parts that I don't miss, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Um, so what, why do you think that you have guilt over the, the chemo? Like I, I feel like I would try to do anything I could to help a family member. And maybe, maybe the question is, had there been different results, you know, they told you, okay, it could extend that one month into six months. What if it would have worked? Would you feel guilty then? Well, no, of course not. I mean, then it would have worked. Um, I think I feel guilt over that. In addition to, I spent in the same way, I think I'm tackling grief. I tackled his illness. Like I do as much research and reading and um, podcasts and mm -hmm. talking to people trying to beat it, I guess. Um, so I had done a lot of research on some alternative therapies, things that I feel guilty that I didn't try sooner. Mm. Um, I mean, I, you know, at home I have this big bag of, I mean, anything ranging from like goat dewormers to, um, mm -hmm. all different vitamins and all this stuff that I never got the chance to try. Yeah. And had had he not done the chemo because he was supposed he was scheduled to be brought home on hospice the next day and he died that night. So yeah. he, he sorry, wanted go ahead. To get, uh, that's fine. I was gonna say he wanted to get home and I feel like once he was home, I was able to try that stuff. We'd already talked with the nursing staff about how I could, you know, through his feeding tube and you know now I know the likelihood of any of those working or being successful was slim, but um yeah, you know, I was wanting to try something. 
Yeah, and I don't think it's bad at all. And um, I, I'm a big researcher as well. And, you know, in later term cancers, the options become far more limited. But, you know, some of the things that I've researched with cancer, and it sounds like uh, one of the things you just clued in on there, sounds like we've probably been on some of the same pages. But, you know, back in COVID, we gave ivermectin such uh, a hassle. You know, people were like, oh, my gosh, that stuff's horrible, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But if you research, um, you know, even on the NIH, a government website, you will see that ivermectin actually is a cancer fighter. Um, there's natural things in the earth, you know, like dandelion is a huge cancer fighter. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there there's certain things, but um, again, with later term cancers, it's um, can it be too late to start those types of therapy? And of course, you know, there may be a doctor out there that says, oh, this guy's crazy for even looking at this stuff. But you know, the evidence is out there. There, there's a lot of things that we just don't know, and it's. I find it absolutely amazing that cancer has been around since as far back as you know we can recall, and we don't have a good answer for it. You know, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously desperation, you know, is a big motivator. Um, would I have gone out and looked for goat dewormer? No. Um, but I was willing to try anything. I do think there is a point to where you're probably, you know, he was, his cancer was way advanced at this point and it, sure. and it hit so quickly. Um, but yeah, I agree. I, you know, and I find myself being angry with the medical industry. I am insanely angry with my dad's um, oncologist. Mm. I feel like he didn't explore other options. There was even within the medical realm, not, not talking alternative medicines. Sure. Um, things that I wanted him to try. There was a real lack of communication, that sort of stuff. I feel <laughs> without sounding like, you know, tinfoil hat here that there probably are cures and treatments out there that don't make a lot of money for industries that aren't being pushed and used. Um, I don't want to sound like a crazy person about that, but, but I do, you know, I'm, I'm angry about it because I, you know, maybe there was something that could have helped my dad. Yeah. And I, I'm, you're in good company because I, I don't think that, uh, you know, any of us should wear a tinfoil hat just for, uh, beliefs that aren't common to most people. And I think, you know, there, um, I've said it before on this podcast, there's not money in well people, right. right. And it's sad to say that, but that's the type of world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know, maybe we'll move off of this subject because I want to honor your dad and the man that he was and, mm -hmm. and also talk more about your grief journey. Um, not that I wouldn't entertain these conversations otherwise with you. It's just, uh, unfortunately your dad's life has ended and no matter what or how it happened or what you did or didn't use, mm -hmm. um, we're here. And you know, I, I try to focus more on the what is than the what ifs. And that's right. hard sometimes, especially when you're in grief, you know. Um, I heard something recently, though, that I want to share and maybe get your thoughts on. And one of the biggest questions that we ask in grief is why. And I heard someone speak about 
You know, what does why mean? And I've kind of modified it just a little bit, but it's who or what hurt you and who or what helped you and who or what healed you, you know? So when you, when you're asking those why questions, maybe that's what we should ask. Um, do you find yourself asking why? Yes. I mean, obviously, realistically, I know why. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I find myself more angry, I guess, than, than really questioning. Um, so yes, I guess why would be in that, like, why did it have to happen to him? Mm-hmm. You know, us, all that. So yeah, there, there's definitely the questions of why and why him. It sounds awful, but I look at other people. I'm like, you know, this is going to make me sound like an evil person, but why not this person? They were sure. a lot less of a good person than my dad was. Um, so yeah, I, and I'm trying to, you know, squash that anger and comparison a little bit, you know, when people talk about their dads, you know, like I've, you know, in my, in these grief groups that I'm in and I see people talking about, you know, they lost their dad. He was 92 years old. I'm like, must be nice, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Um, but I'm trying to stop that comparison because I'm sure it hurts at any age. So Yeah, one of the things you're talking about is called just world theory. And what that means is um, it's the belief that good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. But we know that is absolutely not the case, right? We see these people who have lived horrible lives and they're, you know, living into their 90s and 100s and just living life, you know, and, uh, you know, taking these ultimate vacations and just living it up. And then... We have people who are, you know, maybe just shy of being a saint and they they're taken away from us way too soon. Um, so I, I definitely don't buy into the just world theory. And I know that, uh, you know, the rain falls on all of us. Right. It's right. Um, but that's tough. And it is tough to see, um, especially like when you, you think about, OK, a, a child abuse situation where a parent has you know, been a horrible parent, you know, why didn't they die sooner? Right. Yeah. That's, that's hard for us to, um, really wrap our heads around. It's tough. Yeah. And it sounds like your dad was a great dad to, uh, two wonderful daughters. And, um, I don't know that that's just difficult to lose someone like that. Absolutely. So tell me about your, your grief journey. You said you've lost some other people in your life. And uh, how does this differ from previous losses for you? Honestly, it's been completely different. Um, I've lost all four of my grandparents, an aunt and an uncle and a couple people I grew up with, that sort of stuff. And while they were all sad and, you know, deserve the same recognition and all of that, um, and I was close to, you know, my grandparents and I miss them. And, um, but this is just, you know, my dad was kind of my person. Um, you know, there's very few people in the world that you're like, they'll love me unconditionally. And, you know, he was one of those. Um, but he was also somebody that would want me to be happy, want my kids to be happy, my mom. And, you know, we had talked about this in the past. Now he wasn't one to really talk about death or, religion or afterlife, that sort of 
thing. So we didn't have those type of discussions, but you know, I know that he wouldn't want me to grieve forever um, or to grieve this strongly forever. My sure. mom has been a great source of strength. She's tough. Um, and it's kind of, you know, I don't want to say forced me, but you know, if she can get through it, so can I kind of thing. Mm. Um, but I have thrown myself into therapy, um, into reading as many books, whether it's, you know, right now I'm in the middle of bearing the unbearable and, and then really jumping into this whole like death in the afterlife stuff that I, with my previous experience with grieving, never went to this sort of levels to not feel crazy. Yeah. Um, so I've definitely like been exploring, you know, like reading about Buddhism and the afterlife. And right now I'm in, it's called death in the afterlife. Um, what is it? Perspectives of world religions. And, you know, just really, it sounds silly because I know that there's no way that I can't, but wanting to figure it all out. Um, and in a way, try to feel closer to him was, you know, I don't have any real religious affiliation, but I just want to know what everybody believes and then figure out what I think. <laughs> um, but it's definitely, you know, I've also been to my doctor and, you know, told her, I feel like I'm going crazy. Um, I feel a lot back to guilt. Um, my reaction to people that have lost people prior to this. Um, not that I was ever heartless about it, but just never really understood the full ramification of what somebody's going through. Um, because nothing had ever hit me that hard. So I know that my response to other people's losses will be much different now than it was before I lost my dad. And like I said, I've, I mean, I've even gone to people and apologized because I just, you know, you don't fully get it until you get it, unfortunately. So, you know, that's, it's an, an amazing thing that you just stated there. And, uh, I, I, while I was on my vacation, uh, this past week, I actually read, Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief by David Kessler. And I don't know if you've heard of him yet, but yeah, he is, yep. okay. Yeah, he is like the grief counselor guru. And mm -hmm. um, in the book, he basically states that he wanted to apologize to previous clients because um, he didn't know exactly what they were going through until he lost his son. Mm -hmm. And I just found that really interesting. And it's like, all right, I, I've lost a lot of people and a lot of close people to me, very good friends. I've never lost a parent. So I can sit here and state, okay, um, I won't even state that I know what you're going through, but I'll state, you know, I, I understand how loss affects a person. But until I actually lose a parent, I don't think that I'll know even close to what you feel, you know? And, right. and I think that's what David Kessler was speaking to in his book that, you know, we've all experienced loss in some degree, even, even to, okay, I've lost a job or I've gone through a divorce or, you know, I lost a wallet, whatever, you know, right. but until you lose, you know, I, I've lost two really, really close friends of mine in life and that hurts, mm -hmm. but I've still never lost a parent. So I don't know what you're going through. Well, and in that same vein, I would never pretend to know what somebody lost a child, you know, like I'm sure I think grief is 
different, first of all, for everybody and everything and every loss. But um, I feel like that would be even more unbearable, you know, but I don't know if you can. And I think all of it depends on how close you were to your parent, to your friend, you know, or, or even if you, sometimes I think troubled relationships are even harder with grief. Um, so I'm thankful for that, that I didn't have a troubled relationship with my dad. Um, cause I think like there was nothing left unsaid, which is nice. Um, that is nice. You know, I don't feel like I was the best daughter in the world, but I certainly don't have a ton of regrets in that, in that field. Um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of people that I have, maybe even people that were grieving in my past that I, you know, I'm typically more of a hard nosed person that I'm like, okay, now we, we need to move on. You know, can't live like this. You gotta, you know, pull mm -hmm. yourself up by the bootstraps and it's definitely different. Um, it's a different it is. <laughs> and I feel like you've got to give yourself that time to, you know, this is new to you. It's uh, you've lived 40 years differently than you started living in November. Right. So I think there's a lot of grace that you have to give yourself and just know that this is new territory. And even though there are others who have, you know, kind of pioneered that way for themselves, you're doing that for you now. And that's right. hard. And I am trying to learn from other people, you know, through the books, the podcasts, the articles, all of that stuff. Um, and I guess in hopes of shortening my grief journey, you know, like not reinventing the wheel here and just seeing what other people have gone through and done to work, but it's definitely different for every person. So definitely. So let me talk a little bit about your grief journey. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like, I started this podcast to kind of help people to, uh, you know, find a sounding board to be able to tell their story. I think that's one of the biggest elements about grief that we miss is just being able to describe what it is we personally feel because you're right. It's, it's like a snowflake or a fingerprint. It's, it's all different and even different losses as, as you've spoken of, you've lost previous relatives before this one's different. It feels different. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you a couple of questions that, uh, I don't know. First of all, like, how do you handle those moments when grief kind of catches you off guard right now? You know, we, we just went through the holidays and that's super tough, right? It was tough. Um, you know, and I probably sounds cliche, but my kids have, you know, you don't want to disrupt their lives to the extent of, you know, traumatizing them. Um, and just their, I don't know, youth and wonder and all of that for Christmas. You don't want to, I don't know, damage that in any way. And my dad wouldn't want me to. So that has helped me. Now, I'm not somebody to cry. I don't, it's not typically my go-to emotion, um, but I've caught myself multiple times. And in, you know, in the Menards bathroom, you know, like yeah. stuff like that. So it has been a... Um, shock to the system a little bit. Um, luckily I'm surrounded by an awesome support system. My husband, my mom, my sister, you know, like I've got a great group of friends. So I, at least I can lean on people pretty, and I have pretty heavily and I don't like to do that. So it's kind of a, it's nice to have, but then I, you know, have guilt for dumping, you know, trauma dumping on people all the time. So sure. Uh, but it's, 
even in this short amount of time, we're looking at like a month, a little over a month, I have been able to cope better already. Um, like I, I do see a light at the end of the tunnel. It's never going to be the same. I'm having to accept that part of it. Mm, yeah. I think my big thing was I want it back to normal. I want it back to normal. And finally through reading and therapy, like it's never going to be, it's, um, but it's, you know, like learning that new normal and trying to not let it disrupt my life to the, you know, to the detriment of my kids or people around me. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's, this is a very short period of time. And, um, I've had a few people on that's had a loss fairly quickly and they've, they've come on, but a lot of the losses that I've spoken with on this podcast are people who lost someone many years ago. So I'm curious, like in your short period of time, like, are there any lessons or insights that you've gained through your grieving process up to this point? Um, I think more so going forward, like I said before, how I will respond to people. It, it's been amazing to me, the outpouring of really kind comments and also some of the not so, you know, things I'm like, oh, I would never say that to somebody. Um, so I have learned through that. Um, I've learned to be nicer to myself. Um, mm, that's a good one. It is. It, it's a hard one for me. That's probably the hardest one. Just, um, you know, like letting myself take a, you know, I took what, maybe three or four days off work and that was hard. Um, and honestly, work helps me staying busy. I've learned that the busier, you know, in some of these groups, I read to people taking two, three, four, five, six months off work to grieve. And I feel like I would personally go crazy. Um, yeah sometimes it'd be easier to like crawl in a hole and just grieve. But I don't know. I think staying busy is something that has been a blessing to me. I mean, obviously having kids, you're forced to be busy to an extent, but, but even beyond that, just keeping my mind busy. I, you know, I probably have my AirPods in, I would say 80 to 90% of my life now, just listening to podcasts and self-guided meditations and, things to keep my mind busy. That has been the key for me. Yeah. You're speaking of bereavement there and, you know, our society now we've defined, you know, what is, I guess, an appropriate time for someone to grieve, especially in the corporate world. I, I used to be in the corporate world, I don't know, several years ago. And it was like, okay, if you lost a parent, it was worth five days of, you know, off time. Um, if you lost an aunt or uncle, it was three days. And, you know, right. it's like, how do we define that? You know, going back probably 60, 70 years ago, if someone passed away, a very close relative, it was like, you did take a month off, you know, you wore a, a black armband and, and you know, right. people were kind to you and it's like, okay, let's give this person space and room. Um, but I do understand what you're stating too, that Sometimes if we take too much time to really dig in, it could, it could allow depression, I think, to set in. Um, but it seems like you're, you understand that, you know, your normal life is continuing. You have, uh, you know, you said four boys, I believe, is that right? That you have to, I, I know they vary in age, but you still have kids you're taking care of. Um, you have a household to manage. You've got bills to pay. 
life right. does keep moving. I'm not stating that it goes on and that we should just move on. All right. It's, but we do have to move forward. And, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's so weird how I, I guess our corporate worlds have defined what a, a death is worth, you know? Uh, yeah, I agree. And I was fortunate. My, you know, my job was very open and I work from home most of the time anyway. And, you know, told me to take as much time as I needed, but you know, that's, you know, the whole idle hands kind of thing. I just, I had to keep busy. Um, you know, and some people talk about closure with stuff. Now my dad was very non-flashy, never wanted attention, never wanted to be the center of attention, um, to the point that he didn't want any services, any memorials, nothing. Mm. Um, and that was discussed ahead of time, which I am in full support of. I'm, really kind of anti-funeral home-ish. Um, yeah, yeah. It's a predatory sort of existence. But um, so, you know, he was cremated and we have the box and that's it. And hmm. for me, that was easier than having to face everybody saying sorry. You know, like I don't really want the acknowledgement from people, if that makes sense. Um, I don't want people coming up to me and, you know, blindsiding me with, you know, I'm so sorry about your dad. Like that, that to me is, but I think other people do. Like, I think my mom would appreciate that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, everybody's so different, like I said, but it, um, people talk about needing closure, needing this, needing that, you know, they asked if we wanted to come see his body and, you know, I didn't feel like I needed any of that. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And everybody, you know, has a different path in grief. They know what's good for them, what's healthy for them. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't judge anybody on how, how they grieve or, you know, I, I don't even judge your father for not wanting a, uh, some type of memorial. I, you know, if that's what he wanted, I'm glad that you honored him in that way. So that's great. Right. You know, I, I obviously get to see the, the more serious side where we're, we're on a podcast talking about grief here, but I am curious, has humor played any role in your grieving process at all? It has, especially my mom, my sister and I have a pretty dry sense of humor. Um, so there has, that has helped. Um, we maintain a pretty regular, you know, text chat group and, you know, we'll, you know, laugh like, Oh, dad would think this is hilarious and stuff like that. Um, like even, even talking about his, you know, like people that have reached out or, you know, his long lost relatives type stuff. So there have been moments of humor. Um, my kids, especially, um, I, I wouldn't say it's what I rely on. Sure. Sure. But it's, it's a good defense mechanism for me at times as well. Yeah. If I don't want to get into that serious, you know, weepy phase, then yes, I'll sometimes use that. I think, you know, a la like Chandler on friends kind of, you know, deflect. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> like I, I've got to tell you that I just like I just went on a cruise and I read his entire book in three days. And I it is you know? a fantastic read. <laughs> it really is. Um, you know, Check it's it so weird. Like most people in Hollywood, if they were to pass away, I'm like, I don't really care. For some reason, this one really bothered me. And I guess yeah, it's because, did, did it? 
Mm-hmm. Um, I guess because I really feel like Chandler was a kindred spirit of mine. Like I, I'm very dry, sarcastic, and uh, I, I don't know. It was weird. I just felt like a part of me was missing whenever I found out he passed away. I know it sounds so crazy, but um, it is a fantastic book, and it shows especially about addiction and. how it entered his life and how it really became his life. And, uh, but wow, I, I highly, highly recommend you read that book and anybody else listening that, uh, is into memoirs or autobiographies, like definitely check that book out. It is, I don't read books like that. I usually read self-help books, but That's that my, book is my phenomenal. go-to is self-help. Yeah, usually it's self-help. And I I cheat a lot and, you know, listen to them on Audible while I'm doing stuff. But, but I'll have to check that one out. Yeah, it's it is uh I don't know. I I really I don't know. That that was that was a tough loss for me in I guess the Hollywood world and and like I stated usually it's just like, oh, okay, well that person's no longer with us and Right. but this one, I don't know, it it felt different. It hurt and um and what's crazy is he just wrote this book literally a year ago, you know. So it's very new and then And he talked about how um, life, how he was happy that he had found life out of addiction. And, and I don't know exactly what happened in the end, but, Mm -hmm. uh, Right. but yeah, read that book. It's, you, you won't regret it. It was a good Okay, one. I'll check that out. So you kind of alluded to, um, you're, you're kind of on this search for yourself in certain ways, whether it's through, um, religion or beliefs about the afterlife and things like that. But I'm curious about like, has it affected your sense of identity or your self-worth at all? it has it's made me question you know my um impact on the world i suppose um Mm-hmm. sometimes i look at my job and think it's silly um like i'm not doing anything you know i'm, I'm advertising and doing marketing you know i'm i'm part of the cog in the wheel here but um so yeah i've definitely it's made me want to be a better person or do something more impactful. Um, just because, you know, how, you know, everybody says this, but life is so short, yada, yada. But, you know, I don't know if at the end of the day, I want to be like, yeah, I, I sold a bunch of crap. <laughs> Right, um, right. so yeah, it, in that way, it's been self-reflective in that. And like you mentioned, the spiritual journey as well, it has, that's not something I would have independently sought out. So um, I was okay with the idea of nothingness um, for myself. Um, like I, you know, I, I'm fine with nothing, but I'm not fine with nothing for my dad. Um, and I, I can't fully explain that, but so I want to find, you know, I know I can't create something, but I want to find something. And I, you know, I cannot tell you the cynicism that I have towards mediums and all of that and desperation changes people. It changed me. Um, now I haven't gone all that far in searching out a medium, but, but it's something that I am not turning my nose up to that I would have six months ago. Um, so 
it's knocked me down a few pegs as far as my judgmental behavior, I suppose. Um, and made me understand why people, you know, like people are so desperate and I was fortunate enough. It wasn't, you know, in a tragic, I mean, it's tragic, but not, you know, a sudden loss, you know, I could prepare somewhat for it. Um, so I imagine people with sudden loss would even have a stronger desire to reconnect, to say their goodbyes and that sort of thing. So I get it. And, you know, I, I have no good answers, <laughs> nor does anybody else that I've read from, by the way, but, um, but I think everybody's just kind of on that journey to, you know, I don't expect to find anything, if that makes sense. <laughs> That's literally what I was going to ask as my next question is what are your hopes in finding? I mean, I, you know, and I've, I mean, I've gone so far as to read about this. What is it like ayahuasca, like these, basically drug induced trips that people take in these jungles at now, you know, I'm not doing them, but I sure. get it. Um, so I, I guess enlightenment of some sort, but I don't know even what that would look like if I found it truthfully. I think that's why I'm still trying to read and collect all of the information I can to see what I even want to do with that information and maybe nothing. Um, but just so I know what's out there. Do you find and, that, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, and it, it just keeps my mind busy. If nothing else, like I feel like I'm working towards a goal, which I don't know what the goal is. Well, it's interesting in the mind. Um, when we have a goal out there, it's actually more pleasing than to have found that goal or accomplished that goal or looking back at the accomplished goal. For example, mm -hmm. um, I love vacations, but it's actually... Uh, more pleasing to the mind to plan that vacation because you've got this vision of what it's supposed to be like. Mm -hmm. It's actually more pleasing than being on the vacation. I, I know there's probably some people like, no, it's not. <laughs> but, no, I totally um, agree. That's the best part. And that's why I would never want a surprise vacation. I've told my husband that don't ever surprise me with a vacation. I, I want to, I want to just marinate in the idea of it for months. Yeah. And now looking back at my last vacation, it's like, okay, I had a great time with my wife cruising and going to foreign countries and all that, but it wasn't what as next? exciting as it's not as exciting as having planned that and looking forward to that event with my wife. Um, I've got more vacations planned this year and those are already exciting to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like you're, you're right in the fact that, you know, just thinking that, I've got a goal I'm, I'm shooting for. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to find, you know, and even when we go on vacation, we don't know exactly what we're going to find. We don't know all the restaurants we're going to eat at. We don't know all the people that we're going to come in contact with, right. you know? So I think it's great though, that you are moving forward again, not moving past. Like I don't believe that's possible in grief. Right. Your dad's always going to be a part of your life. Um, but just knowing that, all right, I am looking for something and right. I really feel like you're going to find something. I feel like you're going to find your way and find what is right for you. Um, but again, what's right for me may not be right for you. And that's why I never try to push my belief system on anybody. Um, I am curious though, like, do you, like different members of your family have different beliefs about, uh, I guess your father's death or the afterlife? Or do you share a lot in common? 
so yeah, everybody has different beliefs. Um, I, you know, my mom's a bit more conservative. She, you know, she goes to church every Sunday. Um, that's not my route. Um, mm -hmm. and I think my sister, I'm pretty, you know, I'm a bleeding heart liberal. I'm open to all ideas. Um, and my sister probably falls in the middle. Okay. Um, so, but I don't, you know, there's just a lot of acceptance with that. Like there's never been a, you should think this way or that way. And, you know, I raised my kids that way, whatever, you know, they, they've explored different ideas and, you know, we've been talking about, you know, they see my books and stuff and talking about different religions and, and it's not just religion, you know, it's like a spiritualness that I'm kind of exploring. And, and I couldn't even explain what I'm, like I said, what I'm looking for, what I'm reading about. I don't even know half of it. Um, I have absolutely no expertise in this, in this field at all. Um, but just learning what has given other people comfort or some sort of enlightenment or awakening, or like I said, whatever I somehow am seeking out. Um, but yeah, having different opinions. I mean, I, you know, I've gotten a lot of this, honestly, my doctor was, you know, asked me, was your dad saved? And I'm like, you know, it just depends on who who's doing the saving, I guess, you know, I don't know. Um, I find questions like that borderline offensive and she's nice enough. So, you know, I wasn't upset, but I think it's pigeonholing a lot of people's grief to just say, well, they're in heaven. Um, sure. And I, I'll, I'll have to admit that I am a believer and I also live in the Bible belts. Right. But so it's, I think it's a very, very common thing for people to just say, you know, was your father saved and, and not really take into consideration that you may not believe the way they believe. And, right. or you know, he's in a better place. That, that's my least favorite, probably. Um, sure. Sure. And that's one I'll never say to anybody <laughs> in counseling. That's one of the biggest things that, um, you know, I have to be very protective of, I can't really assume that someone believes the way I do. So I'm, I'm really, really, uh, careful how I approach those things, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, I think that's just it. When you live in a certain area, um, that is probably culturally defined in a certain way, you just assume that everybody believes a certain way, right? It's, it's almost like assuming that, you know, the grocery store that you shop at, that somebody over in California shops at the same grocery store. Right. It's just not right. Like there's, yeah. there's more to life than, than I, I guess what a lot of people are seeing, um, as far as people and the way they believe. So I, I do feel like it is, there's better ways of approaching than just assuming that, you know, Hey, was your dad a believer? Is he in heaven? And not really taking the time to ask you the question. And I think that's really what we've got to do with people is right. ask questions, not assume. I would agree with that. I would rather people ask me about him, about things like that versus almost trying to make themselves feel better. Um, I, I understand that too. I, I think that is a lot of it is I'm going to um, kind of, approach you from my own worldview or what makes me comfortable as opposed to stating, what are you dealing with? How are you dealing with this situation? What brings you comfort in this situation? We well, don't then, ask those know, questions. Response is no, you know, no, he wasn't saved. No, he wasn't a believer. You know, th then what? Then it's just real awkward. 
Um, sure, sure. So, you know, and that's kind of what, you know, got a little quiet in the old doctor's office because, you know, I was like, well, that, that wasn't his thing, you know, so then then what, you know? I guess the alternative is so he, so he's in hell. I mean, is that what, you know what I mean? So it, it comes back a little, I don't know, more painful when, when the answer is not yes. Yes. We're, you know, following the standard, what everybody else around here does. So yeah, yeah. I, it's something I would never ask or assume anybody. Um, it sounds like you are um, truly thinking about how you're going to, approach people in their own grief from now on. And it sounds like you, you've got a kind hearted way of, of looking at others and, and already having their best uh, interest at mind for you. Um, and just knowing that I can't approach them with that cookie cutter type of mentality. That's great. Yeah. And and I think it's hard for people. I've, I have given a lot of grace to other people, maybe not as much to my past self, but you know, death and grief is hard. So if somebody even makes, even if it's not what I want to hear, even if it's, I, you know, he's probably in a better place, just the effort itself is sometimes so hard for people that it's appreciated. Um, yeah. because I, it's just not something that's talked very openly about. And I feel like in these grief groups and the podcasts and, you know, I found some really great groups on Facebook, um, as cliche ish as that is. And, just listening to other people's grief stories and just being open about it and your feelings have been I, very helpful in my journey. Yeah. Christy, I, I know that uh, you've got some, some plans here in just a few minutes and uh, I, I want to be respectful of that, but I also want to tell you that, you know, you're, Welcome to come back on this podcast. Let it be an open invitation. I would love to check in with you maybe six months, a year down the road and just see where you're at and see uh, what you found in this uh, spiritual journey that that you've got going on or just see how grief has changed for you. So let that be an open invitation. Please reach back out to me. But uh, before Great. we close, I, I do want to offer you any last uh, comments that you want to make on, on your dad, on grief, on life, just give you the, the open floor there. Ooh, that's a lot of pressure. Um, too, too wide of a, <laughs> of a brush stroke, <laughs> I guess, right? Pretty wide um, request. Um, I think really is just, and we've already touched on this, is the individuality of everybody's journey. What I'm going through is very different than what my mom's going through. Even it's, we're grieving the same person and we have the same memories, you know, albeit slightly different. Um, but seeing how individualized everything is and how people want different things from each other and from people, what I want from a stranger is very different than what my mom wants. Um, so I think being accepting of that, um, has been big for me. I, I tend to have somewhat rigid thoughts. Um, so it's been a struggle, but kind of a good one to just kind of accept that everybody's different. And, um, yeah. And like I said, this whole, you know, spiritual journey, I hope I come back in six months and tell you that I've, you know, found Nirvana and I can, you know, without any doubt, tell you where our souls go. But I, I question if that would be the case. Sure. Sure. Well, I, I hope you find whatever it is that uh, is out there waiting for you. I really do hope you find um, direction 
And, uh, you know, more than anything, I, I just appreciate you coming on and talking about your dad and, um, your journey, you know, with him and through grief. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I just appreciate you being here and, and taking this time with us. Absolutely. And thanks for doing this podcast. I think these are the type of things that kind of bring people more together. Um, I feel more connected with people in grief. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't connect with people that well and that often. Um, so it, it has been a connecting space within like this whole podcast family of, you know, it's, it's amazing how much people can touch on something that, that, you know, that touches me or that I feel can relate to. So it's been, it's been very helpful. Yeah, definitely. You know, death, death and grief are a universal thing. We're, we'll all experience both sides of this. So, um, all right, Christy, thanks a lot. And thanks everybody for listening to another edition here at the grief observed podcast. Um, I'll have Christy's email in the uh, show description at the end. And, uh, if you would like to be on the podcast again, contact me and we'll, we'll get you on the show. And so bye for now. And thanks for listening.